0: Well, good morning. If you would like to find out more information or would like to sign up for the trip today, uh, Phil will be in the lobby after service and would be glad to uh, to sign you up, get you the airline tickets, pack you up, and, and ship you out. Right, Phil? So be ready to go. Uh, we're going to first of all, would you turn with me, please, to First Timothy chapter one? Uh, you can use the Bible in the seatbacks in front of you. Don't forget, also, we have the mobile app. If you have the U version of the Bible, uh, click on the three lines in the corner. Look on the events. It'll give you the outline for today as well as some of the other passages we're going to be using uh, in the message. Now back in January we had done a series. We called it What in the World Are We Doing? And it was really kind of a mission, vision, values piece of who Spring Lake is. But what we couldn't really hit on at the time, we just didn't have the time, was the foundational piece, the doctrinal or theological piece of why we're doing what we're doing. We don't just do it because it'd be cool and it'd be fun and it seems like a a good thing for church to do. There's actually a theological, there's a doctrinal base to what we do. And we knew we couldn't hit it all at one time. And once we have put it together as far as this series coming up, this this guardrail series, it's going to be 10 weeks of kind of a, 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 not quite a deep dive, but a dive into what we call the core or major doctrines within the church you guys, this is enough that by the time we're done with this one series, it's going to be football season. Okay? So this is going to take a while to unpack, uh, but we want to let you know, these are doctrines that we would say where we're majoring on the majors. If you took any of these ten key doctrines away, if you said, I'm not going to line up with this doctrine, you're actually saying, I don't want to line up with what has historically been biblical Christianity. You are now kind of heading, taking an off-ramp and going your own way or doing your own thing. One person a few years ago said, well, you know, doctrine's more like a, a trampoline. You just kind of bounce around on it. And it's more for fun. And it doesn't need to be all solid and rigid. And just, just the word picture there. Have you ever, how many of you have been on a trampoline? Amen? Okay, most of you have. We have one. Just sold it on Facebook Marketplace, but we had one. Um, and trampolines are lots of fun to bounce on. But how good is a trampoline if it's not on solid ground? Try throwing a trampoline in a pool and see how high you bounce. Try it in outer space and see how much fun it is with no gravity. You've got to have something solid to build on, and that's what our doctrine, that's what our theology is. So I want to give you two warnings as we go into this series, and this is kind of the intro to this series before I get to the intro to the message. Here's the intro to the series. The first warning is we cannot cover all of these topics in depth. Case in point, next week, right here, uh, Bill is going to take on the theology of God. All right, I want you to think about how big that topic is to handle in 30 to 40, maybe 45 minutes. All right, you're talking about the Trinity, which we've been trying to figure out for 2,000 years. We're talking about God's attributes. We're talking about God's character. We're talking about the creator of the universe. We cannot do that in 30 minutes. So it's going to be more like a bite-sized Snickers instead of the whole candy bar. We're going to give you some some points to think about and also some take-home that, as we'll see in a moment, that is life-changing. We're also going to be using a book uh, that, if you would like, watch the newsletter this week, and there's going to be a link, and it's going to kind of be our our guideline as we go through these different doctrines as to uh, what the structure is that we're going to be talking about. But we cannot... Go in-depth on every topic. Here's the second warning I'd like to give you with this. And that is that theological teaching, theological study, even if you want to go into years of theological training, are not meant to be a weapon. It is not meant to swell your head so that you're better at trivial pursuit than everyone else. It is not meant to be so I can show you what I know that you don't know. Theology is a better understanding of God, who he is, and it should change our lives. Theology is really made up of two original Bible words. Logos is words. Theos is God. So it's literally the words of God on a topic, whatever topic we're digging into. Your doctrine is simply saying, this is what I believe. We all have doctrine. And if you say, well, I don't believe in doctrine. Well, then that's your doctrine. Every one of us has doctrine. So, Hold on to those two. Remember, we can't go into everything. And also, this is more about opening our eyes and our heart to the truth of the Scripture and giving us a bigger picture of who God is. Now, let's start today's topic with a little walk through some church history because you're going to hear through this series about a lot from a guy named Paul. He's known as the Apostle Paul. He actually was a terrorist against the early church. We read in Acts 6 and 7 about a guy named Stephen who's put to death. And there's Paul holding the coats, approving of this this murder that's going on. He actually gets a a document saying you can go throughout your region and bring Christians into trial or you can persecute them. And that's what he's in the process of doing when God meets him in a miraculous way. And we're going to be doing a study on Acts in the fall. Uh, but meets him in a miraculous way and changes the game, not only for Paul, but for the church. Paul was the right man, right place, right time to do what God had in store for the local church. Paul was trained and sound in, in Old Testament theology, and when he saw what God did to fulfill the Old Testament in Jesus, he was the person to bring this truth to not only the new church at the time, but he was also the one who goes on this Jesus tour. You'll read that it's called his missionary journeys and where he takes Christianity from being almost predominantly Jewish and within the temple to the rest of the world, to the Gentiles, to us. Paul is the one who changes the game. Paul is God's man, not only at the time, but to put the scriptures out for us today. He gives us structure. He gives us sound teaching. He gives us leadership. Paul was destined to do what he did by God. He sees the struggle in the early church. He sees the launching of what's going on in persecution and yet explosive growth. And he understands that this, if this doesn't get its, its solid foundation, it's going to fall apart. These new believers didn't have Bibles. They didn't have Uh, denominations or buildings to meet in many of them came out of cultic practices if you read what was going on in corinth at the time another book or ephesus which we're going to talk about in a minute they came into this this jesus thing and without paul's guidance and direction they would bring in whatever mess they had come out of worshiping other gods and goddesses sure we'll put jesus in that mix Temple prostitutes? Sure, bring it along. Let's just kind of incorporate everything. And Paul's going, no, God has a structure for this thing. He's given us a sound doctrine. He's given us theology. I want you to understand what it is. So Paul's about to go out on his fourth missionary journey. He's been in a city called Ephesus. And as he's about to leave Ephesus, here's this young church that's growing That's uh, exciting, but at the same time, they've got people coming in, teaching some weird stuff. And Paul pulls aside a young man named Timothy and says, Look, I'm heading out. I'm headed to Macedonia. Should be back soon. Got my Travelocity tickets, hotel stay. I'll be back. What he doesn't realize is how long he's going to be gone. So Paul writes Timothy, this is the first of two letters, to give him direction. Because as Timothy is leading this church... He's seeing this flood of modern-day philosophies, a mixture of politics, and cultural norms that God has made clear to his followers, this is where I've called you and set you apart. 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, As I urged you when I went to Mas- in, into Macedonia, Stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things provoke controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk they want to be teachers of the law but they do not know what they're talking about or what they uh, what they so confidently affirm we know that the law is good if one uses it properly we also know that the law is not made for the righteous but for the lawbreakers and rebels the ungodly and sinful the unholy and irreligious for those who kill their father's or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders, and liars, and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Paul knew that if this early church got off the rails theologically, it was going to be in trouble. That's why he writes in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Teach what lines up with sound doctrine. He writes to the church in Romans, in the book of Romans, in uh, Romans 16, 17. He says, I appeal to you to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Avoid those who are looking to pull the church in the wrong direction. And you're saying, well, that was fine back then. They didn't have a Bible like you said. They didn't have all the guidance we have today. So why is this teaching really necessary? I mean, that was a long time ago. Does it really still count today? I want to kind of highlight six key reasons, or five key reasons why we're doing this series. Here's the first one. Sound doctrine is important because it gives us truth in a world of falsehood it's important because it gives us truth in a world of falsehood second timothy uh, 4 2 through 4 says preach the word be prepared in season and out of season correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. If we're not cautious, if we don't understand sound theology or doctrine, what our foundation is, we can find ourselves out in left field. And I want to warn you to be careful of what seems cute or what seems nice or what feels warm and fuzzy. You may see it on a bumper sticker. That doesn't mean it's right. You may hear it in a song, or someone may take a verse. How many of us have heard a verse taken out of context? Be careful with what seems cute. Know the truth. So Gina and I, this week, will head out to on our what we call our annual anniversary camping trip. And she opened up the camper. We've got this uh, older pop-up camper. And as she's opening up, this nest falls out. And inside are six baby chipmunks. And I mean like the little ones. That almost look like moles and she gets these chipmunks and she's gonna rescue the chipmunks because chipmunks are cute so she gets these chipmunks and she gets a syringe and she gets cow's milk and she starts I kid you not she's like feeding these little chipmunks with this cow's milk and then she finds out online you never give baby chipmunks cow's milk so no she goes to the store and she gets this special formula for puppies who have intestinal problems I'm not kidding And she mixes up this formula, and every two hours, she's feeding these baby chipmunks, burping them. No, she didn't burp them. But she's, like, feeding these baby chipmunks because chipmunks are so cute. And then we're like, well, we need, like, to get these things somewhere safe. So my daughter has a friend who's getting a degree in something with animals, and he comes over and says we can take them to the animal rescue by Bay Beach. And he comes over to get them, and he looks at them and goes, Miss Guerra, these aren't chipmunks. They're not as cute as you think they're going to be. Yeah, my wife wanted to shower and hand sanitizer at that point. Be careful of something that may come across cute and you don't know what you're dealing with. Find out the facts. Do your homework. Look it up. Study it. Now, luckily they were mice, not rats. But even still, she didn't want to touch them ever again. Know what you're actually dealing with. Know the truth. Why? Because there's a world of falsehood, and a uh, sound doctrine, sound theology keeps us on track. Secondly, sound doctrine provides explanations. It gives us insights. 2 Timothy 3 uh, and verse 16 tells us that it's for teaching, it's for reproof, it's for correction, it's for training, it's for righteousness. It gets us on the right tracks and helps give us explanation. Through good doctrine, through sound doctrine, we see how God helps helps us to understand how we've acted in rebellion, but he also has responded in grace that we are not saved by doctrine, we're not saved by specific thoughts, it's how it changes our life. We're saved by what the historical things God has willingly and graciously done on our behalf. Doctrine explains these things. It makes it clear. And helps us to realize that we need to, we need this. We need to admit our rebellion. We need to admit our sin. Doctrine is what helps provide clarity on it. And I want to make this clear while we get explanations and framework from our walk with God. We don't always get the spot answer that we want from God. I think a lot of people are looking for a God that's more like Siri. Where I just have to ask a question and it quickly spits out the answer that I want or the fact that I want. We're talking about the God of the universe who sets our steps, who divinely directs. His goal is not just to be a genie in the bottle for us or a quick answer, but he does give us explanation. He does give us direction for life. Next one. Sound doctrine is important because the end of sound doctrine is life. The end of sound doctrine is life first timothy 4 and verse 16 says watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers it brings us life the bible has such clear distinctions about what brings life and what brings death The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to mankind. But in the end, it leads only to death. The Bible says in Romans, for the payment of sin, the payment for our rebellion is death. Scripture says that the devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. His way leads to death. But when it comes to God, There's life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living water. He says, come to me that you may have life and life abundantly. I'm not going to stay too long on this topic because we're going to unpack that in one of the weeks coming up. The next one that we see is sound doctrine is important because it encourages believers. Sound doctrine is encouraging. When we back out of the scope that we look at life with, and usually we're honed in on our problems. When we begin to back out and see that God does have things. When we maybe, maybe we don't see it. Maybe we we don't know where the answers are coming from. But when we can hold on and build on the sound theological truth that God is in control. That He is God and we are not. He knows the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Great Rescuer. We can see it all through Scripture. And I don't know how that happens right now, but I will find my hope and encouragement and standing on the theological truth that He is God. He's got this. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Psalm 119 and verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. A solid understanding, growing in our understanding, having our eyes and minds open and stretched as to who God is and what his word says and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and what Jesus has done for us and the place of the church within our lives, our community and within this world, within God's great plan as our eyes get open to the fact that the Holy Spirit has moved and drawn and called us and equipped us for service, all of a sudden, at the same time, we feel bigger and smaller, realizing that we're part of something so much bigger. And yet at the same time, God knows each of us individually. We've been wired. We can find encouragement in this. Titus 1.9 says we must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that uh, God can encur- we can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. We can use the sound doctrine. We can use biblical teaching to encourage each other. Next, doctrine is important because what we believe affects what we do. What we believe affects what we do. Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. He's, uh, Paul writes, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, It starts, it'll change how we live. We we end up offering ourselves as a sacrifice to God. Here am I, Lord, use me as you will. And then how does it say it happens? By the renewing of our mind. A clear understanding of that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Behavior is an extension of your theology, your doctrine, your beliefs. And as I mentioned earlier, every one of us has a doctrine every one of us has a theology, and I'll know what you truly believe by how you act. I'll know what you truly believe by your mouth, your words, your attitudes. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, I believe that, but, I, you know, I, be- I believe the Bible, but, I, I believe in Jesus, but, anytime you see that But put in place, we find ourselves in a place of either compromise, complacency, or disbelief. I would caution you to be careful of any time you're putting a big but in front of what you should see as solid ground. And Some of you are going, how old is he? That's what my daughter always asks me when I say stuff like that. But seriously, when we find ourselves, instead of stating facts and building on theological truth, seeing it and then saying, that's good, but, we're watering down or we're questioning what God has established as his truth. It will affect what we think and what we do. Every doctrine, here's the last one, every doctrine is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. And that end is a greater love of God and others. 1 Timothy 1.5, it was in the opening Uh, chapter that we read opening verse the goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith a good heart uh, a, a pure heart a good conscience and a sincere faith that love will lead to a transformed life You cannot stay the same when we finally get a hold of, when we finally have an understanding, a clearer, a bigger picture understanding of who God really is, of what his game plan is, of the fact that he has said he will return. We're going to talk about that in this series. And when we get this, we have a transformed life. I want to close by reading a a quote by a guy named Paul Tripp. He says, when we realize who God really is, he uses doctrines as a means to turn angry people into peacemakers, greedy people into givers, demanding people into servants, lustful people into pure people, faithless people into believers, proud people into humble people, rebels into obedient people, and idolaters into worshipers of the one true God. God's intention is that nothing in their path would ever be the same again. Doctrine is a beautiful gift, supplied by a God of amazing grace. They're not burdensome, life-constricting beliefs. They impart new life and new freedom. They're the ecosystem in which the garden of personal transformation grows. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I want to challenge you throughout these next 10 weeks not to hear facts not to hear deep study. I want to challenge you to say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? Where have I maybe made the box too small? Where is maybe my understanding limited? God, help me grow. Jesus, we thank you that you've been clear that you've given us a a firm foundation, as Scripture says, and as we sang earlier, you've given us a firm foundation on which to build our life and our testimony, and that foundation comes from you. I pray over these next 10 weeks that each of us is stretched, each of us is challenged. Lord, each of us can look at you and see you in a new light, in a new way. In Jesus' name we pray.